Aloha and welcome to Connection to the Cosmos with your host, me, Dr. Lisa Thompson, where I have out of this world conversations with extraordinary people. And today I am so excited to have Danielle Agnew on, and I can't wait for you guys to meet, meet her. She is incredible. First though, just a couple of announcements. I am still promoting my galactic retreat, which is coming up in September here on the Big Island, September 14th to the 17th. And I do have two different options, depending on if you're local to the island and you want to drive back and forth, or if you want the full Lux retreat, accommodations, lodging, food, all of that taken care of. So that is on my website, drlisajthompson.com or mysticmanta.com. And if you're coming to Hawaii, come and see me on one of my Big Island UFO tours where we do night sky watch using advanced Gen 3 military night vision goggles. And we see stuff all the time, I promise you. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Danielle on. Hello, Danielle. Hi. <laughs> Hi, girl. How are you? I am great. Okay. You have quite the bio. So I want people to understand how fascinating you are. So Danielle Agnew is an award-winning angel translator, psychic and medium featured on NBC, ABC, TNT, Travel Channel, Discovery Plus, and in the Washington Post and Huffington Post. She was the angel consultant on CW's hit show Supernatural, as well as consulting on DC's Man of Steel and Lifetime's America's Psychic Challenge. She was named Psychic of the Year and Most Notable Ufologist and is currently starring in the TV docuseries, The Road Angel. As an author, Danielle's book, True Tales of the Truly Weird, debuted on Amazon, Amazon's top 20 titles. Chosen as most likely to turn you an obsessed fan by Curve Magazine, Danielle is also an, a multi-award-winning musical artist whose prolific career as a singer-songwriter and producer has been the focus of magazine and newspaper cover stories while featured in books on billboard publishing. Front woman for the gritty 90s all-female band, Pope Jane. I like that. Danielle's powerful voice placed her on stage with Anne and Nancy Wilson apart, Joan Jett, Shelley Wright, and many other music greats. Between shoots, readings, and tours, Danielle resides in her hometown of Billings, Montana with her wife, Rebecca, their daughter, Nora, and their three small fluffy dogs, Angelo, Ruben, and Sebastian. <laughs> wow. Yes. You have quite the resume. So, like really, truly. <laughs> so I would love, and I'm sure our audience wants to know your background, your, a little bit of your backstory. Like, how did you grow up um, in terms of were you in a spiritual household, a religious household, or something else? Because I want to understand that transition into your work with angels, being a psychic, and even being a ufologist. Well, now that's a great question, because I'm here in Montana right now, yeah. in Billings, Montana. I grew up here, and originally my dad, uh, when my parents were married, he was in the Army, so we were traveling around, spent some time in Tacoma, Washington, and we were somewhat of the religious sample platter household. You know, we'd go to this church and that church. And so I actually really liked that as a kid. You know, we'd go to the Presbyterian church and we'd go to the Lutheran church and we'd go to the Catholic church. And, you know, we had friends who were Jehovah's Witnesses. So we went to the Kingdom Hall and listened in. 
And it was remarkably fascinating for me to just hear all the different takes on how people perceived God. So then we moved back to Montana. My folks got divorced and uh, we, my mom and I moved back here. And my family here are Catholic Italians, like okay. straight out, straight out. Yet my family, my great grandparents came here from Italy and my family was very mystical. You know, my grandpa saw death masks on people. He had predictive dreams. My grandma, uh, she had a grandma that saw dead people. And so we didn't disregard these gifts and abilities in my house. And if you think about the Catholic religion, of course, uh, mm -hmm. as, as a Christian religion, um, it's still very mystical, right? Yeah. So there was room in my family to be that person. And when I was two years old, I was two, I had to think about that a minute. Um, when I was two, I remember that was the first time I remember identifying an angelic being that was talking to me and okay. I talked back to it. So, you know, and, and it's a translation aptitude. We can call it whatever we want, but mm -hmm. that same aptitude on that frequency talks to angels. You dial it down over here. You talk to people, you dial it down over here. You talk to different off-worlders. There's off-worlders that come in on that same frequency as angels do. Right. So I just kind of had in my mind, a pretty normal 1970s raising. I didn't kill myself jumping the big wheel off of a dirt mound. So here I am. Okay. <laughs> well, so, um, so did you always know that you had those psychic and mediumship abilities or did they, did you, did they come later in life or did they get shut down at all? Since your, since your family was open. Well, now this is an interesting question because I always had them. Like I said, I think the time I remember them the most was when I was around two, three years old. Yeah. I just figured everybody did. Dr. Mm -hmm. Lisa, I figured everybody did. Because if I can see the color blue, shouldn't you see the color blue, right? right. And it wasn't until I was about probably uh, 17, I was about 17, when I figured out that everybody wasn't seeing and hearing and experiencing every single thing I was. Okay. And that was big. Um, and I did kind of tuck myself into the closet a little bit when I was 13, 14 years old. I tried having a conversation with a chick who was next to me in my locker in junior high back then. And I had some funky looking kind of spooky belt buckle with like a ram's head. And I think I got it at Spencer's for a dollar. I don't even know. But I was like hanging up right in my in my locker. And this girl asked what it was. And I made some like random comment about, oh, it's not a witch's thing, if that's what you think. You know, but people did used to use this icon back in the day. And so she told on me that I was casting spells, which I wasn't. I'm I'm not a Wiccan person. So mm -hmm. I was just like, I ended up in the counselor's office and totally lied that I even talked to her about any of it. I just lied because I was just like, Ooh, this is going to get old West. If she knows that I, you know, do mm -hmm. all this stuff. So really it, when I was 17, I think I probably, um, just kind of put a lid on it because that's when my parents went into the evangelical phase. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so we started going to a very large evangelical church out here and it was the feel good church back then. And, um, and really that, you know, that was kind of a bummer because they were not as open to phenomenon as like my, my actual family was. So I just kind of kept quiet about it. 
and then time went on and you know pope jane launched and then here we are working with labels and doing our thing and touring and doing our thing and then i i didn't it wasn't relevant to my life you know and i certainly didn't want to be seen as the girl who's the weirdo who fronts the band and talks to dead people and sees angels and talks to aliens and i'm like (laughs) right i play guitar in a band and i sing that's me that's my identity so yeah. Oh, I totally relate to that because I had mainstream careers for most of my life. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. I started out mainstream science, you know, University of Chicago, evolutionary biology, and then um, mortgage. And then I was a designer. So it wasn't until actually fully moving here to Hawaii that I could like just really be my authentic self. Wow. And- University of Chicago. My <laughs> dad went to the University of Chicago. So I lived in Chicago and I have vivid memories as a tiny child of Chicago. So that's interesting. How cool. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So then when was it in your career that you finally were like, okay, I'm going to own that I'm a psychic, I'm a medium, and I have a connection yeah, with ETs. <laughs> oh, God. Well, to be straight out, um, nobody's music career, unless you're Cheryl Crow, and we're still, I love her. We're still not sure how she swung all this, but nobody's career just keeps going. You know, that you, you get your record deals, you arc, the band has its cycle, and you kind of arc through it. So mm-hmm. basically, the band was done. Okay. And I'd been doing that for 10, 12 years and I didn't know what else to do with myself. And Mm -hmm. so when I would, you know, when we'd be playing, when I would be talking to the people who'd be helping us or when we'd be driving around or touring or just between gigs or hanging out with each other, I always read for people. I always knew the deal with people. And so my former partner at the time, uh, her mom was very psychic and I one time asked her mother, and this was years and years ago, I was in my thirties. Um, I said, why, why didn't you ever read for people? And she just looked at me and she says, why haven't you? Mm. And I'm like, oh, oh, chicken, see me. Oh. <laughs> it freaked me right out. I was like, no. So um, it really did make me ask myself why I didn't. And I knew why I didn't because it was not considered mainstream and cool and interesting. Now you can't even breathe sideways and, you got psychics and tarot readers, which I right. think is brilliant, right? So yeah. it was basically the music was over at the time. Okay. And so I just started doing it and literally marched my happy butt down to the psychic eye in Burbank, California, because I was living in LA at the time and okay. came in with my little bio and I was all super nervous. And I'm like, <laughs> can I do it? I guess I'm going to be a reader. And um, the lady said, well, do a reading for me. And I'd never done a formal reading. I just did it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was super nervous and was like, okay. And about halfway through, the lady's crying. And she's like, when can you start? And I'm like, I don't know, tomorrow. Uh. And it was awkward because I had a whole other identity. Yeah. You know, it was just so, man, what we do to each other in terms of identity in this country is so mm-hmm. inhumane. Yeah. And what we do to ourselves, you know, so that was a little rough, but I got through it. Okay. And so how long ago was that? Oh my God. That was, 
oh, I want to say I was maybe 33, 34, so 20 years ago. Okay. And it turned 34 or 54 at the end of this month. So yeah, okay. 20 years ago. Okay. Wow. So then how did that progress? I guess, take us along the journey. So now you're doing readings. You're, you're like out. I'm a psychic. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. I was, I was reluctantly out and I'm not going to laugh about it. Well, no, I am going to laugh about it a lot now. I was so serious about, so afraid. I was afraid, you know, of people knowing that the singer for Pope Jane was doing this. I was afraid of the judgment. I was afraid that people would be like, oh, what? You can't sell records anymore, chick. So now you're a psychic. You know, are you going to start a 1-900 line? And I mean, I had yeah. the most unbelievable fears, terrible fears. Um, but it was what I was. And mm -hmm. so it kind of went from there. Clients and person clients over the phone. Uh, my former partner was very supportive. I was kind of a petulant turd about it, to be honest. I was not cool. I was just like, this is stupid. Who's going to call me for a reading? This is so dumb. And then people kept calling and I'm just like, oh, and you know, I didn't think the, the work was dumb. I yeah. just thought being psychic was awkward and I didn't like the word medium. And I'm like, how about translator? Cause I've got a big acoustic wave sciences background. I got a big science background. Okay. So I'm like, I can, I'm a translator. Okay. Please stop calling me a psychic, but they, that's what I'm called. So whatever. Yeah. So that just kind of went. And then I had opportunities because I was in Burbank. Uh, to go on television with it. So okay. I was on the psychic, right? I was on the psychic's weakest link. Um, that was fun. Uh, I did different TV pilots. I did different guest spots. Um, I had these TV executives coming to me going, how would you represent angels on, you know, on CW? Um, actually, I was the one who approached that lady. She was a client. And okay. yeah, she was there. And I didn't want to be that girl who I could, I saw she was a TV writer. Yeah. And I did not want to insert my fandom because that's not my yeah. job, right? But I, and I'm reading for her and she's asking me work questions. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, you write this, you write. And I finally just gleaned enough information. And I just looked at her. I said, oh my God, you write Supernatural. And she looked at me. She's like, how did you know that? I said, well, that's why you're here, dude. Come on. So, <laughs> so then I just asked her why she didn't write on angels. They told me they had a hard time. Uh, representing angels in okay. a non-religious way. And I'm like, you've never met one sister. Let me yeah. tell you what they're like. And that launched working with uh, CW and Supernatural. Um, that's how the character Castiel came out. Uh, that's how the mannerisms of the angels came out. They added the stab them in the back of the neck with the silver thing because they needed like a way to kill the angels. So like, how do you kill one? I'm like, yeah, you don't. But yeah. <laughs> so... So that's how that went. And then I was doing other consultation for DC's Man of Steel and ET stuff. Um, then it just went to television and now here we are, right? So. Yeah. Okay. Well, so your current show, The Road Angels. So tell for people who don't watch Travel Channel or knew, I didn't even know what that was either, but tell us what The Road Angel focuses on. Well, The Road Angel, and in fairness to you and all of humanity, um, it's a TV show that's been in development. We've got the pilot in the can, and okay. we have been, there's a couple of different avenues that we've had an opportunity to put it out on. 
So we're still looking at some avenue opportunities for that and their streaming services. And I can't say much about that or they get real grumpy at me. Okay. But it's um, so that's still getting out there. We got slowed down by COVID. This is a show that myself, executive producer Mary Erickson, associate producer Melissa Siana put together. And when you're putting together a show from scratch, it takes just a minute to get it on the air. Like we all know Yellowstone, right? The show yep. Yellowstone. Taylor Sheridan went knocking around for 10 years practically with this Western script and nobody would touch him with a 10 foot pole. And finally the show broke. So okay. we produced this show. We've got eight episodes of it ready to go in the can. We're looking for that network partner right now. And the show on Travel Channel that I was on is called American Mystery, where I went on as a ufologist to talk about different phenomenon. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, so let's talk, let's switch gears and go into UFOs. And so I would love to know how you got into that field. Like, did you have an experience and you're like, okay, now I am, or were you just always obsessed with space and the idea of it? Or how, how did that start? Well, it literally was that I always knew there were beings in the craft flying over the top of me. And it's so funny because as we're talking right now, there's one of those giant military helicopter with the two big rotors. We've had a ton of those in Montana with all the recent UFO sightings up here, UAP sightings. It's right. so low. I hope it's not messing with our audio. It's just shaking the house right now. Um, so I basically was getting visited by these beings. And they would visit me when I was a younger person. Then I got to be a certain age where my spirit gifts were really blowing open. And a lot of those off-world uh, cousins of ours study the relationship of our spirit with our corporal being with what is and the mm -hmm. universe. They're studying how quickly we are connecting to the cosmos and getting out of our ideology of being just in a meat sack or a meat suit right. um, yes. as they... Yeah. I was calling it meat sack and the writer for supernatural called it meat suit. And it became Dean saying the meat suit. So, you know, we, we've had this translational issue that our off-world friends like to track. So when I was a teenager, I had actually early college, like 1920. Um, I was here in Montana and I was hanging out with my best friend at the time. And it was in the basement of my parents' house. And it was just one of those little skinny single beds. And you're in college, so you don't care. You're crashing with your bestie. Everybody's like, oh, like puppies. You're like crashed on top of each other. And so uh, that was my first encounter. And I won't eat all our interview time up with it. But they literally folded space and were in two places at one time. And it looked like the floor of my room in the basement opened up. And mm -hmm. I couldn't move my body. Like it was like I was stuck in the sarcophagus of me. I couldn't move at all, but I could see. And I yeah, could see yeah. this light, like op like a hatch opened up and was backlit. And I could see this light opening up on the ceiling. And I could hear all this uh, mechanical sounds. And I could see shadows of beings that if I had to orient myself, I would say look like they were coming up a ramp, kind mm. of. But the shadows were backwards. Like usually as you get farther away from a light source, the shadow gets blurrier. These were blurrier, but got more, I would say more focused as they got up the ramp, or I would call it a ramp. And yeah. they stood by the bed. And I, at that point, was like, holy crap. I wasn't sure if they were demons or what they were because mm -hmm. the light was an orange-red color. 
and it came right. from the floor, right? So yeah. go to your Judeo-Christian stuff. There's a hole to hell in the bedroom. Right? I was like, oh my God. So I was like, okay, we need to just let that be. Um, however, I remember being fascinated because on the ceiling, have you ever been in a pool indoors and looked at the refraction of the light on the water? It makes that pretty thing on. Yep. So I'm yeah. laying there and I can't move. And I'm looking at this ripple on the ceiling. It was gold. It was yellow. And it was, it just made my brain go, ah, mm. I don't care that I can't move. And there's weird stuff in my room. That's yeah. pretty. And I was looking at it and I was fine. I was fine, even though this weird, it looked like a rectangle of see-through mist or okay. like a non-shiny, uh, like a filament that you'd put on an overhead projector, right? Mm -hmm. it, it kind of floated up over the top of me and it, and it laid down over the top of me. And as it was coming down, I remember pulling my head back, except I couldn't move my head. So I pulled my spirit back from my head and it looked like a freaking Halloween mask. Like all of a sudden I was like looking through peepholes out here. And yeah. that was when I realized, oh my God, I'm separated from my body right now. My consciousness is separated from my body. And then I thought, well, I'm safe in here. They can't actually get me in here. They can't get me in here. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I started seeing the little bobbly being starts to line up by the bed and it was three of them and that's when i panicked because my best friend was passed out and of course she's sleeping through all this right and i'm dead awake i'm not having a dream this isn't a night terror i freaking awake i just can't move i'm like because i have a hard time sleeping so it was at that moment that mm -hmm. i realized um i better connect back up to my body or this is going to get real old west real fast and something in me, because I was so aware I was separate from my body, said, connect, 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 come on. And I felt it. I felt it right here. Like, it felt like if you were screwing a hose onto your house, that yeah. was right there. And yeah. all of a sudden, I, I could feel my body and I shoved myself up on my elbows. And by God, that rectangle thing flew off of me. It was like, whoa, whoa. And this being is just backed right up off the bed and they kind of went down their little thing. And so I don't know if there was a time in between that where I disappeared okay. and don't remember. I actually think they didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. Right. Right. And they were like, what is she doing? You're not supposed to do that. And then later when I was about 24, I was about 19 years old. When I was about 24. Um, I had another experience where I was sleeping against a wall because I wouldn't sleep out by the open bed anymore after that happened so I was sleeping against a wall and against the wall I started seeing that same beautiful pattern and at first I was like oh that's so pretty and I started to say wait a minute and then I was plunged into a dream and there were several aspects of that it was a dream I think they figured out they had to kind of do something else with me you know right um and I was there with probably a big group of people, a big circle of people in that dream. And there was mm -hmm. this weird woman who kept saying, focus on the garbage can. There was a 10 gallon green, <laughs> forest green garbage can in the middle of this circle. And they're like, we're all going to use our consciousness to levitate the garbage can. And I'm thinking, this is jacked up. So I kept trying to leave this room and I'd come back to the same room. Finally, I mm -hmm. sat down. 
took this lady's hand. Her hand felt real weird. And I'm trying to focus. And I looked down and her hand looked like this. Okay. And she, and she yeah. had her hand. She looked like a regular person from the waist up, but she had an unusually long neck. Okay. But weird hand. Yeah. The minute I saw the hand, boom, I was plunged into another dream. And it was 1920s. It was harder to maintain consciousness. It was real foggy. It was like a county fair. And the whole time, I'm like, this is crap. This isn't even my own dream. Why am I in the 1920s? Like, I'm, I was really <laughs> fighting this process. And then, bam, I was in another dream. Um, and they actually had to resort to a fear space, which is really sad, to okay. get my consciousness off of what was happening. And suddenly, okay. I'm in a nightmare. I'm being chased by Nazis. I'm trying to save other people who are being chased. There's lights outside. And the fear was so intense that I focused on that dream. And okay. all they were really trying to get me to do was just focus on something else. Yeah. So those were my two really up close and personal. So did you ever figure out who they were? Like where they came from? Yeah. These are our pals from Otur. We like to call them Arcturians. Mm -hmm. And they, the first time I think I don't, they were the same type of beings, but there's two types of folks who are Uturan. There's the taller ones, and then there's just shorter ones. There's the Whitley Stryber happy short ones, and there's these tall ones. And the tall ones I've been running into all through Seattle, lots of them up in the Seattle area as well, okay. lots. And so when I had that opportunity, I realized that they've got these hands like, like this, mm -hmm. but this is a finger and this is a finger and, and the thumb is way long. It's way long. And so when she grabbed a hold of me, that's where I was like, that's not a normal hand. I don't believe these beings at all meant me harm. Yeah. Um, at all. I think that I got myself startled. Yes. And it's really important to note for anybody watching this, our off-world cousins, if they were going to take over the world, they would have done it. If they wanted I our planet. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Right? I mean, they would have taken it over before we wrecked the oceans and the atmosphere. I mean, now it's just kind of like leftovers, you know? So these beings are not here to harm us. And mm -hmm. I appear to have extreme wavelength sensitivities. I was born with them. So mm -hmm. I think they were attempting, we call that psychic abilities, right? So I think they were attempting to communicate with me uh, because I can understand them. They can download into me very, just big cubes of information that I can decode. Because being mm -hmm. a translator is not, you're not just translating angels, you're translating elemental beings, God, right. God's middle management for nature, right? Yeah. So, um, no, they didn't mean me any harm. I just, it was a fascinating statement to me about our biological nature. We are primates that evolved with with a little we do have a little mix up of our off-world dna in us you know sure. it's like vegas what happens on vegas stays in vegas okay yeah but we won't get into that right now we don't want to freak people out completely no. now when i talk about that in my book i have a whole chapter on that <laughs> whole section. good for you because it's true you know yes. we do man i mean it's so I think what they were attempting to do was communicate. And um, I think some of my fight or flight, my, my ape nature took over. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that was more challenging to work with. And the only way they could really deal with that was to get my consciousness over here. And yeah. regrettably, they had to deal, they had to go to fear, which is sad. They were trying to be fun and puffy and all these things. And I just wasn't biting. Okay. Well, and that's interesting because I think that the, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the majority of people that have experiences similar to yours or to mine being on a craft where we are interacting with these beings that the mind can do powerful things in terms of making stories up that aren't there in terms of like turning it into a fear scenario. And mm -hmm. so one of my modalities is um, regression therapy. I now call it parallel Whoa. life regression therapy. So I help people get their memories back. So the, and to understand it from the higher perspective that they signed up for that at the soul co contract level before they came in. And when they realize what that experience really was, then it turns out that it wasn't a fear thing. It was something actually quite beautiful. Oh, I did, can I just say, I'm so super excited that you write about all this stuff because you are good inspirations for people like myself, you know, straight out, super transparent right now. I still occasionally have a little bit of that fear hiccup about talking about some of this stuff. But man, does it feel so good because it's yeah. like a part of you that is real, that mm -hmm. you that you really do want to talk about. And especially those of us that were groomed in entertainment, you were groomed. Don't freak people out. Don't have your fan base leave you. That's your bread and butter. I mean, it's super freaking dysfunctional stuff that yeah. especially women co-created in that genre. Um, and so to talk about all this, mm -hmm. I think is really, really phenomenal. The one thing I can add to what you just said was yeah. that I have been in contact with the Uturan um, and their language is super fascinating. They don't delineate from um, I'm a human, that's a dog, that's an earthling, that's a tree. Anything from their native world is Uturan. It's of Otur, where they're from. So all of it is of auteur. And mm -hmm. so for me to look at, I'm equal to a tree. I'm equal to a dog. That, yeah. That's the way they look at everything on their world. So the yes. neat thing about them yeah. is that they really gave a nod to our culture. They were the ones who came in and gave the nod to Taoism, to Buddhism that we later developed into the we are one concept. Mm -hmm. And so I really enjoy my conversations with them now. And they will come to me in my sleep state and run me through scenarios where they're giving me an opportunity to not engage the fear response. And when I, I guess, successfully go through one of these scenarios, then all mm -hmm. of a sudden they just appear in their little, you know, their little white frocky things that kind of, they look, I always envision them being made out of terry cloth, but I don't think they are. Um, with <laughs> some kind of like little, you know, Velcro strip here and they have these short little collars and and they'll just look at me. They'll just appear right in front of me like, good job, man. You got mm -hmm. through that. You didn't freak out. Way to go, monkey lady. That was excellent. So for me, like I, I still have interactions with these beings. And I recently blew it about two years ago. The last scenario they walked me through, mm -hmm. I was doing great with, you know, this whole world collapsing scenario until they dropped my wife and my daughter in it and put in a very aggressive species of extraterrestrial that I'm aware of that were eating the earth which is not going to happen people don't worry this was a scenario 
And I lost my ballast because my wife was in there. My kid was in there. I lost my ballast. That biological protect my family came up and yeah. I went into flight mode yeah. and hiding. And, and they just kind of woke me up out of that. And here was this Uturan face right in front of me. Like they don't talk. They just send you a thing. Right. And they yeah. were just like, oh, dude, you screwed the pooch on that one. You kind of lost your shit. So please understand where your fear threshold is. This was more for you than us. Okay. But they did teach me something that day that I will share with the whole wide world. Yes. You, is that our, there, and I'm sure you know this. However, there is sort of a galactic howdy do out there. And like we shake hands or we bow or we smile um, in their own way. There's this, this funny, let's see if I can get it on here. There's this hand gesture and it looks like something you'd see out of the Vatican. It's kind of weird, which I think is probably not an accident that they paint, they painted the saints doing this, but it's this hand gesture that looks like this. And except okay. this is down at my waist, but you know, camera view, right? Yeah. So, and it's, there, there's a million different ways to portray the message of it. But in English, it's, I invoke the law of love. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, what's up? I realize I'm part of the galactic universe. So they did teach that to me. And they said, when you get afraid, just I invoke the law of love. And if it's an, it's one of us, we'll be like, that's the universal. What up, dude? Yeah. So I thought I'd share that with everybody. In case okay. you get afraid, just whip it out. I invoke the law of love. I invoke the law of love. And calm yourself down. And you'll be fine. Now, I think that that is extremely helpful for people because, you know, I teach about this stuff all the time and I, the students in my class and the people that come on our tours, it's a mixed bag in terms of whether someone is fully open, but even if they, if, if an ET were to walk up to them, there might still be that fear response, even if they're the most like beautiful, loving being, right? Just because yeah. that's, yeah, that's our natural animalistic behavior i guess is, yeah as Earth yeah things. yeah for sure it is yes well so then how okay so having these experiences then then you you were the most notable ufologist like how does that come about <laughs> what is that, that was, <laughs> you know that's a really good question girl um what does it mean i began to speak up in, on certain radio shows, okay. not only about craft propulsion, because again, I am an astrophysics nut. I love aerospace, right? I love the way that these serious AB craft create these artificial atmospheres around them that float in any other atmosphere, like a hull of a ship floats on mm -hmm. water. How can we float a, a gazillion ton bucket of steel on an ocean. It's because it displaces the skin, the atmospheric skin of the ocean in a certain way. So I'm really, really into explaining how these craft can work to people because okay. I just love the freaking science of it. Like it's so freaking cool. And then in terms of that too, I've done a lot of chatting with these beings. You know, they fly over Montana all the time. Montana's okay. making world news lately with all this, but yeah. You know, with the with the spy balloon, and then there was other phenomenon that accompanied the spy balloon here that scrambled people's brains up. And I'm not so certain the spy balloon wasn't tracking that phenomenon. You know, 
And I think mm -hmm. that may be why, and this is just my own hypothesis, but maybe why we escorted it across the country uh, because I think we knew it was tracking something and maybe we were sharing that information yeah. and all this stuff popped up after that. And I did see your video that you put out about that people were getting that EMF kind of sickness or the after effects, but also didn't you see, I mean, I, I tell me if I'm remembering this wrong, that you saw whatever the balloon split into two, right? And then come back together. Yes. yes. And obviously you guys, a balloon can't do that, right? We no. all know that. However, the orb I was looking at, it did the classic serious AB translocation when they're getting ready to go somewhere else, they start to bend space time around them. So you, it looks like there's two of them. It looks like they kind of divide off and then go back into one. And right after that, they usually disappear. And right after that, this thing disappeared. So I don't know if I was, and me and other people, I was not the only one. Um, right. I spoke to a very wonderful KTVQ reporter before the Pentagon announced that this was a, a balloon. This yeah. Pentagon report, or excuse me, this KTVQ re reporter got a hold of me and asked me if I'd like to comment. Uh, and so I did. And she said, what do you think it is? And I said, well, based on this, I think it's this crap from Sirius AB. They didn't run that portion because okay. the Pentagon said it's good, right? But this reporter told me um, that she received lots of videos from people and phone calls of people talking about the same. Um, I'm going to call it an EMF disturbance. It could have been many things. Mm -hmm. yet our brains were reacting like there was a big EMF saturation and also people reporting seeing it divide into two and saying, shoot, I, I didn't have a recording. I stopped recording by then because it was right before it left that it did that. So we okay. might have been looking at two sets of phenomenon during that time also. Interesting. Well, and, you know, now right after the weather balloon, then we, then we have other things being shot down in Alaska and Canada and, um, you know, this we're not going to be um, airing this until April, but we're recording it and it's February 13th. And um, one of my friends who lives in Wisconsin, she's like, they shot something else down in Lake Huron and, and they closed the airport next to her city down. Um, yeah. Yeah. So any psychic understanding as to what is going on with these oh, different oh, yeah. I got some of that for you, sister, I do. So I'll tell you, it's been um, fascinating to watch this progression of us shooting down Sirius AB craft. I mean, what they're describing are craft from Sirius AB. So it's fascinating to me that we're shooting them down. Why is that fascinating? Because if everybody thinks back to just like last year, it was Air Force or Navy footage they released that was shot in like 2010 of the fighter planes chasing around that orb, right? And the fighter planes couldn't catch it. And it was kind of like a, like an interesting uh, squirrel and a dog. Like it was just leading these fighter planes around. And finally it got sick of the fighter planes and it just takes off. And the pilot is making a, a statement like, oh my God, that thing's gotta be at Mach 20. We, there's no way we can catch that. It just took off. So mm -hmm. these are the same craft that it's very important that people understand disabled missile silos. Um, and so did Oturan craft. Oturan are the saucers more so, Sirius AB or the orbs. 
disabled all these missile silos in the 60s up at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, shut down missile silos over at the UK. So one must ask, why are we shoot? Why can we shoot them down? Because if they want to yeah. just disable the missile and just fall out of the sky. Right. So it's, you know, from a practical standpoint, just to help people think through this, it would be one of two things. Uh, either we have a global culture that is now reverse engineered serious AB technology to be able to fly around and can't control it the way these beings would control it because they don't have the physiology to control it that way, uh, which really does work with their biology and space time and other things. Mm -hmm. And they're driving these putt-putt craft around and we're shooting them down. Seems unlikely because we could just trace that right back to whoever was doing that and they're in big fat trouble, right? Right. Or our lovely neighbors from Sirius AB who have been trying and trying and trying since the industrial revolution to come down and go, hey dude, We've got some really great green technology for you and it won't eat your planet. You don't have to burn dinosaurs anymore. It's free. Tesla knew about it. Let's mm -hmm. help you. And that cuts into our corporate profit structure, right? Yeah. So we're like, yeah. oh, sure, we'll take that from you. Thank you. And we're just going to put it in this vault and never do anything with it ever again. Mm -hmm. So we're getting to a mission critical point with the Earth. Uh, from our planet perspective, there's a lot here. Tensions are rising. And the question, of course, that you asked was, why would this be happening right now? There's, it's a multi-layered question psychically. And I've been talking to these guys about what's going on and what's happening. Mm -hmm. Basically, I don't think it takes a psychic to let people know that we're running out of water on the western half of the United States. I psychically read a headline I believe it comes out in June or July in the New York Times in 2024. And the headline is the water wars of the West. Oh. So we're running out of water. That's going to affect crops. Why do you think China's buying up our farmland people? Food's important, right? We don't have food, water. We get grumpy, hangry. So yep. we die. So all this is happening. And our wonderful off-world cousins are like, you guys, we can help you. Now, according to our off-world cousins, Dr. Lisa, they were letting me know back in 2010, there was supposed to be a big discussion, a big world discussion about, hey, we're not alone in the universe. They're going to give us all this tech. We can feed everybody. And that didn't happen. Then in 2014, that was supposed to happen, and it didn't happen. But we had the World Summit of ET Disclosure where all the people, remember that? Where all the... World leaders came out and said, oh, guess what? I'm former military. Yes, there's UFOs. This is what we know about them. Mm -hmm. And it got covered by the news and buried in Section D of the newspaper. Right? right. So why is this happening now? Well, we're getting pretty to the end of our column of food and water. Mm -hmm. Our planet is now 4 billion people over capacity. 4 billion, you guys. All right. We've got to learn to get together, come together, be kind, share resources, because we're going to run out of stuff to fight over. And here's yeah. the biggest part, Dr. Lisa. I know that's a big, long answer to your question. It's very yeah. involved. Is that they monitor our usage of nuclear power. Why mm -hmm. do they do that? Well, gang, let me tell you a little something, something. When we split an atom... I've been talking to these guys. It causes problems in subspace. It causes problems in multiverses 
that are stacked yeah. against our universe. So, right. So what we're doing is we're blowing off firecrackers thinking we're having a great time and we're causing crap storms in all of these other multiverses. It would be like our train that recently derailed in Ohio and there's that sulfuric acid cloud that's just traveling around. All we see is the train derailment. We don't see the traveling of the sulfuric acid cloud. So they monitor what the monkeys are doing with the matches because we don't know what we're doing. We only know what we're doing in this plane of existence. We've recently gotten fusion to, to be a thing. And when you fuse a particle in the third dimension, that energy that comes off of it is not just here. It comes off of other places. So they're here because we're ramping up with stuff. Mm -hmm. They don't want us to blow up ourselves, but bigger than that, they don't want us blowing up everybody else. Right. We don't know what we're doing. So they're exactly. here to assist us and they're not going to take our nukes away from us. Yet it's also important to note, and then I'm done with this explanation, that the earth has been a major LAX or London Heathrow or jump point for these beings traveling from not only one dimension to another, but mm -hmm. one like one galactic universal interstellar section to another. And why is that? Well, geologically, our planet is a giant spinning electromagnet. And because it's covered in salt water, which is a huge electromagnetic semiconductor, we are vortex central. And because we are strategically placed a certain distance from our star, they can go from us to the center of the sun, because heat doesn't matter to these guys, off to where they're going. And they can harness that energy to open wormholes. So they use our planet like an airport. And they've been using this planet like an airport for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. And if we do too much to it, it will affect the spin of the planet. It's going to affect their connections from LAX to London Heathrow. And they'd rather not have that happen. So yeah. yes, they're concerned about us, sort of, kind of. But we're affecting other things we're not aware of. So back to your question, why are we shooting them down? Why are they letting us shooting them down? Well, if we shoot them down, then the public's going to want to know what they did with all that. And if there's one that appeared over China, that China, China shot down. So they've strategically placed them over us and over China. So we can't say it's China. And China can't mm. say it's us. And now we have to talk about what they shot down. Yeah. So either they're going to say it's nothing and somebody retrofitted a bunch of vacuum cleaners and flew them in space with crazy technology, or we're going to have to, you know, finally come out with the fact that, guys, we are not alone. That is my shortest answer I can give you, Dr. Lisa, of why this has gone the way it's gone. Well, I, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the next two months before this actually goes live. It'll be really interesting to see if there are more things being shot down out of the sky. And I just, you know, what I, what I am hoping is that it's not the start of maybe a false flag kind of attack. Oh, I know. I, there are people and Dr. Out there. Lisa, tell us what a false flag is for people who don't know what a false flag is. What would a false flag be? My understanding is they would stage a fake invasion uh, so that people would um, be in massive fear. And then the military government could then, you know, win this war and control people even more than they already do. 
Yeah, what she's talking about, y'all, is aliens are not going to invade us. ETs, off-worlders, are not going to invade us. They don't want to invade us. No. And the biggest thing I can see, because I've been talking with these guys, and and it will be interesting to see what they say these craft are, okay? Mm -hmm. Because these craft are craft from Sirius AB. They are. And they're letting them get shot down. And I was talking with some little dudes that were over Montana last Thursday tons of aircraft uh spacecraft over our skies right now and they pass by and i say hi and my little thing and if i don't say my little thing they phase out because i'm like the nerdy really naggy little sister that's like hi 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 and they're like oh my god that's I'm me on the ufo tours <laughs> yeah. 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 Hi, hi, you guys, hi. and they're like oh hi hi so um what I understood was that they understand our culture. They have to, if they're going to communicate with us, communicate in a way that we would understand. So we shoot this down, we shoot this down, we shoot this down. What would happen, Dr. Lisa? If somebody kept shooting our stuff down, what would we do? We would send an aircraft carrier. We'd be like, what are you doing? So it creates a reason for these big, the giant, we call them motherships, whatever, but these big, yeah. big floating cities to come in, hang low in the atmosphere. You can't shoot them out of the sky. There's no shooting that thing. And no. just hang over and be like, well, we're here. Why don't we discuss the fact that we're here? Mm -hmm. It would make sense to us as humans why they came during that time because now we've shot down a bunch of their stuff so right. i'm just sitting here and like i said it'll be fascinating to yeah. see what they say these are i agree because i every day i have people from these different areas reaching out to me like what is it what is it and i'm like it'll be interesting what they say because i can say it's a craft but i don't have proof for that myself like I don't have that physical scientific proof but yeah how they spin this is gonna be really fascinating that's what I'm saying right and and I feel like I'm dominating this conversation I'm so sorry I'm just so excited to have a conversation with somebody who understands what I'm talking about I'm like oh my god yeah no you are definitely not dominating it and I know everyone <laughs> listening is just gonna be like tell me more tell me more so Okay, so you know, I have I have my regular connection with my different groups and they are definitely, you know, they're always talking about timelines. Um, quantum mechanics, all timelines exist simultaneously and we can timeline shift. And so even though the, there are those of us, like we can see the wars, we can see, you know, the lack of food, the lack of water, but we don't have to live in that reality we can actually shift to a different timeline slice. Um, and so I'm curious what your experience with that knowledge is. Oh, this is the greatest conversation on the earth right now. Okay, so it is true that we have multiple dimensions. Even the Marvel universe has conquered this ideology. So we can now get our brain around, if you follow the Flash series, there's Earth 1, Earth 23, Earth 39, and different things are happening on these different Earths or different timelines. Our ethers, as they're, our ethers are barriers uh, between, eh, we'll call them buffers between the different dimensions. Because if all those ethers disappeared and everything happened at one time, that'd be a giant implosion, right? 
And I want you to think about these different dimensions as people movers in airports. Like you ever go on those people movers and one's going fast and sometimes they have one next to it that's going faster. So they're on different frequency bandwidths, all of these Mm -hmm. different timelines, dimensions. And so as we get more people on the earth, we have more consciousness, which can augment, augment our etheric structure, takes away the baffles between them. So then they become like these pieces of cellophane that you can kind of just move out of the way. And the other day I had a whole timeline shift in the middle of my house where I always wear these bracelets. These bracelets were given to me by my beautiful wife, um, right as we got married and I wear them every single day, except when I'm playing music because they catch on my guitar. But other times I play them, I wear them. And so I put them on every day and I was leaving my house and suddenly they weren't on. And I couldn't remember where the hell I put them on. So I'm looking around asking my family, have you seen these things and all? So I thought, well, I gotta go, I gotta go to work. So I went to say, uh, by my kid who has a loft bed. And I reached up to put my hands on the loft bed and, and you can see they don't slide down very far. Okay. And I oftentimes push my sleeves up. Right. So I put my hands here and these things slid down. So I had, I had left the dimension where I'd put them on and then intersected it where they were on again. And this happens a lot in our house. So it is correct. You guys just, there's not one big fat future that rules out free will. The future is malleable. And I've had people say to me, Dr. Lisa, well, then why would I buy a psychic reading from you? And I tell them, I can tell you the highest probability of action you are going to take based upon multiple timelines, but you can decide to take none of them. And they're like, well, then what, well, what good is this reading? I'm like guidance, man, there's no cheat. You still have to like use your hands and do your thing. You know? (laughs) You know, people want the magic pill. They want to do the work. <laughs> That's not a thing. So. No, no. Well, so what is next for you besides trying to get the Road Angel on TV? Anything well, the Road new? Angel has, I'm sorry? Oh, just, yeah. So just because we're running out of time and I want people to know how to find you and how to work with you. And so. Aww. Well, the Road Angel, you guys, um, if you go to roadangeltv.com, You can see the series trailer. Again, we do have the pilot back. We're just making a decision about where to place the pilot uh, for biggest viewership right now, really. And it's about me, somebody who's an angel translator who wanders around uh, and helps people untangle some pretty hefty mysteries in their community, in their interpersonal stuff. It could be off-world stuff. It could be just inner community stuff. A lot of times we have conundrums inside of ourselves. Uh, could be with our off-world friends, or I do a lot of paranormal work. It could be with the ghosts in some place. So that's Road Angel. And actually, I get directed by the angelic realm, where I'm supposed to go to the next place. So that's been real fun, dealing with the TV crew and producer, trying to communicate that, because that involves planning, which gets weird. Right. So I got that coming up. Um, also, if you uh, go to my website which is Daniel Agnew, E-G-N-E-W, dash advisor.com. Uh, you'll see a bunch of stuff up there. I've got events coming up. Uh, I've, I'm in the process of writing a book about all this, my interactions with these off-world beings, as well as all the other beings that are out there. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not close to being done yet, though, so just FYI. But I'm working on it. You know, I'm working on it. Um, also, 
if you're watching the travel channel and you happen to watch American Mystery, you'll see me on there talking about off-world phenomenon. Uh, God, I'm trying to think. I guess that's most of it for now. Oh, this has nothing to do with this genre. But my new band, Daniel Ignew and the Moonshine Preachers, we're just, we just recorded. I'm getting ready to cut those vocals in the studio, and I'm going to be releasing singles uh, of that. Super cool. And so if you go to my Facebook page, um, I'm not as active on Instagram because I'm just kind of lazy. I'll be flat out with you. I'm not good over there. But Facebook I'm on. I was on Twitter and Twitter got really nuts. So you will still see my Twitter page. I didn't take it down because unfortunately there's people who pretend to be me and charge for fake readings and whatever. Um, but um, yeah, a lot of Facebook, TikTok shows you can see me and if you want a reading you can hit me up through my website just go to danielignew-advisor schedule a reading and you can pick a time and all the things beautiful well i truly appreciate you being here with me today and sharing with the audience all the things you know and there's just so much more that we could go into and so maybe perhaps in the future you can come back on and we can dive deeper into all of this and I would be so honored. And can I thank you, girl? Can I just legitimately thank you for coming out of the closet with all of this as someone with a doctorate degree, as someone who works professionally in the sciences for mainstreaming what is actually there? Because that's what I love about science. The point of science is to expose more recipes in the cookbook of the third dimension and beyond. And that's yes. why I love astrophysics. So thank you for having the courage and thank you for inspiring the rest of us to speak out a little more. I appreciate that. Thank you. Really, really appreciate that. Well, and so I hope everyone listening really got something out of this. Would love your comments, your feedback. And until next time on Connection to the Cosmos. Aloha.